where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. This morning, we are turning our attention again to uh, a sermon series on gifts of the Spirit, or fruit of the Spirit, as Paul calls them in the letter to Galatians. And he says there that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Last week, we considered the fruit of the Spirit that is love. And today, as you probably noticed, we are turning to joy. And I don't know if this is true for each of you, but sometimes when I hear that list of the gifts of the Spirit, joy almost seems out of place. It seems a little frivolous alongside all these more serious things like self-control or patience. And I know that maybe for some of you on this particular Sunday when so many folks are feeling fearful about their right to health care and about other human rights, it might seem an especially hard mental leap to make, but there it is. It's right there alongside all of the others. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when you hear that list, you notice that it gets second billing even, right? It comes right after love. And for me, that raises the possibility that maybe joy isn't just a nice thing to have. It is foundational for the life of faith and of action. And I wonder if a helpful starting place is to distinguish between the joy that is internal and spirit-given and a joy that depends on something outside of us. Sometimes people talk about that in the difference between happiness and joy. And you know me, I really like words, so I checked, and the dictionary defines these two things as the same. So perhaps there are also some limits, or maybe you don't find that distinction helpful, but I do think that as we are exploring the nuance here, it could be a helpful way to play with things. So if we wanted to use this distinction, we could say that happiness is that emotion that has more to do with what's going on for you, what is happening to you. We might think of being happy at a birthday party or when we get offered a new, exciting job. We're happier when life is going our way. Joy, on the other hand, we could say is a spiritual trait, where this pursuit of happiness might lead us to avoid hard things. Joy encourages us to look within. 
as Douglas Abrams said, who co-wrote the Book of Joy, where our uh, intention-setting practice came from. Joy lets us face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters. In other words, we could be more deeply engaged with our own difficulties and the difficulties of others when we're prepared to hold all of those experiences alongside joy. Brittle people break. And joyful people, in contrast, we might find are better able to engage with the world. That it increases our capacity to follow Jesus. And so this morning I want to show you a clip of the Dalai Lama, who is at this time speaking at the Council of Europe. This is, I think, in around 2015. And right next to him, the person that you will see is the Secretary General of the Council of Europe. I love to smile. So firstly, I show smile. Then most cases, the other side also, you see, just return smile. Then I feel very happy. And sometimes you see people too much serious. Then <laughs> one method, do you know, I do this. <laughs> <laughs> then, then they respond laughing. <laughs> when I feel very hot, I use this, you see. You feel too hot, and this bold hat, you see, this kind of sort of hat is very, very helpful, very useful. <laughs> It's hard to watch it without smiling, and I have watched it many times and smile each time. And one of the things that I appreciate about that clip is that it shows us that joy sometimes is just silliness, and that there's a renewal that comes when we take a few minutes for holy laughter. But I also wanted to show it because the Dalai Lama, of course, is such a good example of what it means to live joyfully along hardship. He has spoken and taught on human rights issues all over the world. And his capacity for compassion for others, his sense of purpose, and his commitment to walking the path of his faith isn't diminished by his willingness to look a little bit silly for a minute. And people are drawn to that spirit. There is a um, bagger at the grocery store in Erie, where I live, who I have recently been learning about joy from. And if you ever shop in Erie at the King Supers, and you have the good fortune to end up in her line, you'll know, because you will feel like you just got invited to a party. And not even that you just got invited, but that you are an honored guest. And what I've noticed about it as I have watched her and encountered her and then pondered this relationship between joy and work is that 
joy doesn't seem essential when we are just focusing on life as a series of tasks. The tasks that we are doing are going to get done one way or the other. I'm going to get my groceries regardless of whether the person who is helping me check out is cheerful or scowly. But when we add joy to the mix, not only does the work become easier, it changes the nature of work itself. The work stops being about things getting done, and it starts being about people being changed. And that change starts with us. I think that's where we might see the most stark difference between joy and happiness, or between temporary happiness and long-lasting happiness. We are very good goal-setters when it comes to pursuing happiness. We set these benchmarks for ourselves like, I'll be happy when this job is done, or I'll be happy when I have a bigger house, or I'll be happy when I have a new car or I'm done with school. You know you could list them yourselves. And I think marketing and marketers are very good at helping us with this kind of goal setting. But what it does is we live in a perpetual state of being almost happy. You know, one of the verses that I turn to is rejoice in the Lord always. And I notice it doesn't say be almost happy in the Lord always. It says rejoice in the Lord always. That sense of almost happiness isn't just unsatisfying. I think it's dangerous. It's when we are in search of this happiness that exists somewhere outside of us that we start trying to control. And as long as we are in search of happiness out there, there is always going to be someone or somebody, something in our way. And it increases, doesn't it, that desire for control. Joy seeks liberation. If you're here in the sanctuary or you saw happenings online, you saw the picture that I chose for the bulletin this morning, which is that image of Jesus laughing. It's very well known, and many of you have seen it. And I was excited to discover that the title, the original title of that piece was Jesus the Liberator. It's freeing to think of Jesus laughing alongside of us, but also that that laughter, that that joy brings renewal. There is a need for renewal in the world and for people to turn away from control and towards liberation. And so as we ponder joy, I think it's worth asking in a serious, serious way, what delights you? What makes you laugh? What brings some lightness to your heart? And it doesn't mean that you have to be joyful all the time. It's not about shutting off all of our emotions. It's about feeling that full range and knowing that there is renewal waiting. Lisa Sharon Harper talks about joy being related to hope. That even if we are in a situation where we are not feeling joyful, 
We can experience whatever we are experiencing knowing that the well of renewal is there waiting for us. That's why joy in the biblical tradition is rooted in God. And so with that in mind, I want to pause here for a moment to continue our reflection in music by singing a hymn that has sustained people for over a century. I hope that that is a joyful practice for some of you. I know there are many in this congregation that find that delight in music. In May, I was at a conference, um, and I had with me this bag that I use to carry stuff back and forth. If you've ever seen me arrive here uh, in the church, it's a brown laptop tote, and it is always stuffed full of everything. There is my laptop, and there are whatever books I am reading and reading at home and reading here, and my water bottle and my lunch and maybe a Diet Coke for mid-afternoon, and it's always heavy. But I was at this conference, and I didn't have all of that stuff with me. It was very liberating, until about day three, when I realized my bag was getting heavy again. And I thought, well, I don't need to carry all this stuff around with me. I'm going to go sort through it and take some of this out. And I went and found a place, and I started taking stuff out, and there was nothing heavy in my bag. I didn't have the books and my water bottle and my lunch and my laptop that barely fits by the time I get everything else in there. There was like some Kleenexes and an extra mask and some pins and my Kindle, which is very light. And I laid it all out and pondered what to do with that situation. Right? There was nothing big to take away. It was a bunch of small things. Unhappiness happens that way sometimes, too. Sometimes it's clear that there is a big thing in our lives that is getting in the way of us experiencing joy at a particular moment. Times of illness or grief or financial stress no one's really expected to kind of Pollyanna their way through those times. But sometimes what gets in the way of our joy is a bunch of small things that we're unwilling to let go of, things that we think we need. And so we carry around this bag of envy or competition or hurt or anger, things that have become brittle and bitter rather than healing over time. Sometimes my bag is full of just general irritation about the state of the world, the way that people drive and the color of a neighbor's house and the way your spouse chews. Those things we could list all day, couldn't we? And maybe it's interesting to compare how easy it was to list those things to how easy it was to list the things that delighted you. And so sometimes cultivating joy means examining those and considering what we need out of our bags and what it might be time to let go of. So we are going to do another joy practice, and this one again comes from 
the Book of Joy, which is in our church library, if you are ever interested in it. It is uh, from the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and Douglas Abrams, who I quoted earlier. In this joy practice, we are going to work on examining fear and anger and stress. And so I'm going to invite you again to find that position that you have found several times now, whatever position and breath that is where you feel supported and calm and find those closed eyes or that soft gaze. And now notice on your mind a topic or an experience that is troubling you. Just notice it for now and notice how your body shifts as you experience it. Notice to your response to that fear, that stress, that anger. And as you turn away from noticing just the experience itself, but your thoughts around it, ask yourself, is my thought true? Do the thoughts that I'm holding around this help the situation? For fear, it might be helpful to face the fear that you're experiencing directly. For anger, you might ask yourself, what is the use of this anger? What is it teaching me in this moment? What do I need to be paying attention to? You might even ask yourself, will this anger benefit anyone? Is there action that comes from it? And if the experience or the thought that you are holding is more like sadness, try reaching out in your heart and asking for comfort. In Christian tradition, we say that God is always with us, holding our sorrows. And so you can reach for that blessing now. And as you've examined your thoughts and your emotions, even briefly. Perhaps you've noticed a shift in them. Maybe there is a little something that can be let go of. A little something that will enable you to find more joy. And so as we take another breath, we come back together in this space.
It's worth examining those things, that fear, that anger, and stress, which is so common in our worlds. Because when we do not examine them, we misplace them. We begin to be irritable at people who have nothing to do with what we're angry or sad about. And those reactions stop us from living fully into the life of faith, the life of joy that God calls us to, and also the life of following Jesus, a Jesus who managed to be joyful and also to liberate. May we continue in that work of joy and of liberation. Thank you.